Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 23 of Aussie Talks. Today is going to be an Ashes preview podcast episode. We're also going to be reviewing the World Test Championship, which happened just a few days ago where Australia took the World Test Championship trophy, mace, whatever you want to call it. So without further ado, let's hop straight into it with reviewing the World Test Championship final. All right, looking at the World Test Championship final that finished up a few days ago, Australia got the win with a 209-1 victory. It was pretty comfortable in the end, and that means that Australia got to hold up the World Test Championship trophy or mace or whatever you want to call it. Uh, But either way, Pat Cummins just needs to learn how to hold it because I'm pretty sure you want to go hold it vertically, not horizontally, uh, when you're presented with that trophy. But that is neither here or nair. Um, Looking at some players for Australia, I'll touch on India in a minute. Warner got himself at least some confidence going into the Ashes series. He got 43 in the first innings and looked pretty good. Um, Yes, the bowling wasn't great from the likes of Yadav. Uh, I think he went for 20 off one over to David Warner, but hopefully that gives him some confidence despite a a second-inning score of one. Uh, Kawaja had a match he'd much rather forget. Marnus was uh, pretty average. Smith, once again, uh, he's just another level. 121 in the first innings really set up the game for Australia. And along with Travis Head, who would be a real smoky for uh, most runs in this upcoming Ashes, Ashes series, He's got 163 in the first innings and just showed his class and how hard he hits the ball. Uh, it really is something special to watch. And you look back 18 months to a point where before the Ashes series last time out that there was all this talk about Travis Head and being in the side and Kawaja and who should be batting in that number five position. Well, I think they made the right decision because Head has solidified that spot and the fact he was dropped for the first two tests uh, in India was an absolute joke for the likes of Matty Renshaw. So he is one of the best batsmen in the world at the moment, Travis Head, and I fully expect him to have a very big Ashes series. Moving down, Cameron Green with the bat didn't really do too much, had 25 in the second innings. He took two wickets himself. Alex Carey, really important knocks of 48 and 66, especially that 66 in the second innings. Uh, India were pushing. They needed to keep Australia to a, a low enough score that they could chase down, and uh, Carey's 66 just made sure that that lead got up above 400 to where it would be unattainable. And it may be a bit of an unpopular opinion, but I reckon Alex Carey should be batting six and Green seven. I know Green is an all-rounder and he's young, but I just think Alex Carey's batting in uh, important situations is better than Cameron Green. Uh, Stark had a pretty crucial 41 as well in that second innings. He always can uh, bat if it's there to hit. He's got a test match 99, uh, so he's definitely one with the bat that can help late down the order. In terms of the bowling, well, it was the Scotty Boland show. He took five wickets for the match. He bowled two for 59 in the first innings and three for 46 in the second innings. And in that first innings, made Gill look a bit silly, leaving one that almost hit the middle stump. And I'll touch on Gill in a minute for a numerous amount of reasons. But there is no way that Scotty Boland cannot be picked for this Ashes Test match. As I'm recording this now, it is the afternoon of Friday. So when this comes out, the team will likely be announced. And if he is in it, well, they've made the right decision. If he is not in it, I can't believe it because the man is Mr. Consistent. He puts the ball in the exact same spot, six balls out of six balls every single over and I don't know how England will counter it with their basball attack but Threefa in the second innings really changed the game not that India were ever in control of the game especially in the second innings but I think it was about 260 they needed 
and they just were going along. And I don't want to say Australia were threatened, but India were not going away and bowling with two wickets in an over. Uh, just completely just ruined any dream of an unbelievable chase from India. Uh Looking at Nathan Lyon, he took four for in the second innings, just sort of popped up and ended up with a four for. He'll be one in the Ashes series uh, who'll need to have a big series. Cummings, three for in the first innings and one for in the second innings. And the most important one is Stark. Well, he got absolutely carded, went at nearly five and over. Uh, in the first innings and went at five and over in the second innings. Took four wickets for the match, and I reckon those two wickets in the second innings has probably saved his spot uh, for the first test at least. He's never bowled well in England. Uh, He's probably a bit out of form. He's a bit wayward. Yes, he's someone who can beat you with pace, and we saw that last Ashes series, especially at the Gabba with the very first ball against Rory Burns, setting the tempo for the whole series. But... I don't know if he will be picked uh, very much this Ashes series, especially with the way he's been bowling. And that's looking at the Australian team. So clearly Travis Head, man of the match, well-deserved. Australia seemed to want it more. You know, they didn't really put too many foots wrong. Uh, The only thing that they could probably work on is not bowling no balls. I think Pat Cummins bowled nine for the match, and he bowled two no balls that were wicket balls. So uh, I think that's a lesson to all the young cricketers out there in the nets who bowl uh, front foot no balls and try and be nice and scary and everything. Well, it comes back to bite you. So next time you go to the nets and you're a quick, make sure you're bowling legal deliveries. But moving over to the India side now, and there's not a lot to like, if I'm being honest. The real shock from India was their decision not to play Ashwin, and I just don't understand it whatsoever. He's the number one ranked test batsman, uh, sorry, test batsman, test bowler in the world, and you want to go into the best games and the biggest games with your best players. And if they don't perform, they don't perform. But the fact is, he is India's best bowler, and the fact they didn't pick him is ridiculous. Now, I think Justin Langer and Ricky Ponting said it best that India played for a test match that was going to go two days and not one that was going to go five days. The wicket looked very green, and that's why they decided to bowl. Uh, And I think Australia were going to bowl as well, so good toss to lose uh, with that one. But the fact Ashwin didn't play just doesn't make any sort of sense. He was incredible in India, and yes, his record away from home isn't as strong, but I can say that about every single Indian bowler and batsman pretty much. The Indian conditions suit them, and maybe away from home they're not as good, but you've got to pick your best players for the biggest games. Uh, looking more specifically at the Indian players' performance, their captain, Rohit Sharma, uh, he got 43 in the second innings, 15 in the first. Uh, you just can't bowl short to him. You bowl short to him, he'll whack it. Uh, but he obviously wouldn't have had the game that he would have hoped. Uh, Gill did nothing, and I'll touch on Gill in a minute. Pajara had his quickest 14 and 27 in his life, didn't really do much. Coley uh, got 49 in the second innings, just played at one a bit wide off Scotty Bowen, nicked off. Uh, it was a great catch by Steve Smith, but uh, he is one that I reckon has only got maybe a year left of test cricket. He just doesn't make runs unless it's a dead set road. Uh, Jadeja had 48 in the first innings and took four wickets for the match as the only spinner for India. Uh, Rahane scored 89 in the first innings, uh, which was the highest knock for the game for India, and 46 in the second innings. Barat, the wicketkeeper, whose sole purpose, I think, is to just say yes or no for DRS decisions, didn't really do too much. Uh, Thakur, the bowler, got 51 in the first innings. They just find a way, this Indian team, to have their tail-enders score a 50. So they do pretty well at that. He took two wickets himself. Yadav, 
again, he came in for Ashwin, did nothing, got carded in the first innings, took two for in the second innings, but just wasn't a factor. Uh, Shammy bowled long overs and or long spells, two for 122 in the first innings, but I think he bowled close to 30 overs, and he took two for in the second innings. And then Siraj was the pick of the bowlers for India, taking five for the match including a four for in the first innings. But like I said, Australia played with a bit more want and they wanted to win a lot more, I think, than India. I don't want to say India didn't care because that wouldn't be true, but I just don't think a higher focus was put on this game. Uh, They just finished IPL cricket that they've been playing for the last uh, three months, domestic cricket, franchise cricket, and the fact that they're playing that like six days out from what is the grand final of test cricket uh, just sort of shows, I think, where the Indian cricket board uh, think the priority is for Indian cricket. And... I don't know, it just didn't seem like they wanted that fight and desire to really come out and push Australia to the finish. And even their uh, body language after the game, they didn't look shattered or anything like that, uh, like you would see in the IPL. But touching on the biggest controversy from the match, Shuman Gill. Now, going into the game, apparently he was going to be the next Sachin Tendulkar. He's going to be the next best player. He's the next big thing. And he did absolutely nothing. And yes, I know he's a young player. And yes, I know he's made a couple of tons in recent innings. But the fact is, to be the best and to be the next big thing, you've got to do it in the biggest situations. He did not do that. Made 13 in the first innings before he left one that basically cut in the middle stump off Scotty Boland. But the main thing was in the second innings, he made 18, was looking pretty decent, and then edged one and can Green took an absolute screamer that was a catch. The fact that he stood there, fair enough. You know, you, you can stand there. The whole point of the technology is to check if it was a catch. But his actions uh, on social media after the game and even just walking off uh, and in the press conference after the game were very distasteful and not in the spirit of the game. Anyone who has played cricket knows that is a catch. He's taken it a good half metre off the ground. He's got control of the ball. His fingers are under it when they've hit the turf. And yes, you can make an argument that the cameras aren't very good. That's an ICC thing. That's not an Australian cricket thing. And for the Indian cricket fans to be chanting cheaters, 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 I don't know. It's just very distasteful. And unfortunately of late, the Indian cricket team, they make all these accusations. They did the same thing in South Africa, which caused Virat Kohli to lose the captaincy. But anytime something goes their way, they deny, deny, deny. That Jadeja happening in India when he put Vaseline on the ball or whatever he put on the ball, allegedly Vaseline, that got swept under the carpet. We didn't call them cheaters. Yet when Cameron Green takes a legitimate catch, he gets called a cheat. So Shubman Gill got fined 15% of his match pay uh, for his comments on social media that were very uh, not good enough, not professional. And that was that controversy right there. One thing from the World Test Championship as well was the overrate. There was only 22 overs bowled in the first session on day one, which sort of set the uh, tempo for the game. India were fined 100% of their match fee, and so Australia were, I think, 70 or 80%. The fact that there was only one spinner on each side does contribute to that, but there needs to be a way to get faster uh, overs in there. But that is my review of the World Test Championship final. Australia win comfortably in the end on the likes of the great bowling from Scotty Boland and the incredible batting from Steve Smith and Travis Head, who will be looking to have huge summers in the ashes. One of the great rivalries in any sport. We're set to go. 
All right, it is time now for my Ashes preview. And before I give my thoughts, I want to give you the results of an Instagram poll I put out the other day in regards to the Ashes winner. 81% of respondents said the Aussies were going to win. 13% said the Poms. And 6% of people say it'll be a draw, meaning the Aussies retain the Ashes. So clearly, Aussies go in as the short price favourites, according to those who responded to that poll on my Instagram. And thank you to all that did that. Looking at the Ashes, it is as to say what the great cricketer said on their podcast a couple of days ago. If it, it is a referendum on how cricket is played, the idea of get your eye in, see off the bad balls, wait for your, or see off the good balls, uh, wait for your ball is being tested by the England cricket team and Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes with this baz ball technique. And will it hold up is the question of the Ashes and whether or not it will change the way cricket is played in test matches in the future. Looking at the England side, we have got Ben Duckett as the opening bowl. Uh, sorry, as the opening batsman to start. Don't really know much about him. Zach Crawley, who hasn't made runs in about two years, so I don't know how he's in the team. Ollie Pope, who's a pretty skillful player, but once again does nothing against Australia. Joe Root, superstar, um, always does well in England. He'll be one that'll score plenty of runs. Harry Brook had a great couple of debut test matches. Now he gets to face the best attack in the world. Ben Stokes, if he can stay fit, uh, will be another great challenge. He's someone who can rise in the biggest of moments. Johnny Bairstow coming back. Back into the side after a broken leg injury uh, from playing golf. He had the, one of the best purple patches uh, against South Africa, I think it was, uh, and New Zealand as well in the English summer 12 months ago where he scored hundreds and 200s for fun. Uh, someone who does not strike any fear into the Australian side, though, is Moen Ali. And I'll touch on him in a minute. You got Stuart Broad, Ollie Robinson, and Jimmy Anderson, and that's the Ashes eleven to start. That is being reported. That'll be the English squad uh, going into tomorrow's game. The Australian squad still yet to be released. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with the bowlers. If Scotty Bowling gets dropped, I'll be absolutely shocked. But we shall see what happens. And I'm recording this at 3:41 p.m. on Friday afternoon, so the teams may be out by the time this is released. But if there's any change, it's got to be Stark for Hazelwood. I cannot, you cannot drop Boland. He bowls so consistently and will challenge these England batsmen. But Australia, I think, go in as favourites, despite the fact we have not won an Ashes series in England since 2001, where we had the likes of Shane Warne, Ricky Ponting, Justin Langer, the War, uh, Steve War. Glenn McGrath, the, the list just goes on and on for how good that side is. And if Australia are able to do this, it'll put them up there with the very best. So this England squad, I think they're very flawed with their top three. Duckett, Crawley and Pope. Pope goes okay in non-Australian, uh, when non-Australian bowlers are bowling at him. Joe Root's the main man. Harry Brooks, who knows? Ben Stokes, Johnny Bairstow. It's a great middle order, but they fall away really quickly. And Moen Ali. Now... He has retired from Test cricket about 17 times, so I am uh, not surprised that he's back in with uh, Jack Leach, unfortunately being injured in the last Test match against Ireland. The man averages 60 with the ball against Australia. I don't know how he keeps getting picked. Now, I don't know the ins and outs of the England spin uh, depth, but surely there's another bloke better than this guy. He can't bat, he can't bowl, and he's not a great fielder. Like, 
I don't think he scored more than 50 against Australia. Full stop. Nathan Lyon gets him out for fun. He can't bowl to anyone. I'm like, I don't want to set a curse, but the bloke is just a spud. I don't know how he keeps getting the game. But we shall see what happens with that. In terms of the England bowlers, James Anderson, 41 years of age, an absolute freak of nature, closing in on 700 test wickets. And for the sake of the game, I hope he does get there. But we'll see how his body goes. He's had a, a groin injury that he's been managing the last couple of months. Hopefully, he plays as many test matches as, as possible. Just from the enjoyment of cricket, you want to beat England's best. Uh, but I reckon four test matches for him will even be a stretch. Uh, Stuart Broad, exactly the same. You know, he got a lot of Australian batsmen out for fun in the 2019 Ashes series. Uh, but here... Uh, two years ago or 18 months ago he said the Ashes series was a void Uh, I don't know about that mate you didn't even get picked for the first test because you were not fit so we'll see what happens with that on to the Australian side David Warner is of course the one stealing the headlines because he is not averaged uh, I think he averages like 20 in England conditions uh, and averaged 10 in the last Ashes series over here Kawaja is one though I think is really interesting he has been in form for the last two years but has never done well in England conditions and we saw that in the World Test Championship so he's one that I reckon is very interesting to see how he goes Marnus batted really well in England last time around and I think he will go big this series Steve Smith they can't get him out uh, best since Bradman that'll continue Travis Head an incredible opportunity to solidify himself as the best number five in the world uh, if he's not already Cameron Green uh, his bounce we'll see how it goes on England conditions he's one that I reckon the uh, England batsman will really try and go after Alex Carey great opportunity for him Mitchell Stark we'll see how many tests he plays I unfortunately think he will get battered uh, just by the fact he went at five and over against India who aren't really doing this basball technique uh, I can't imagine that Joe Root and, and Ben Stokes and Johnny Bairstow uh, will have a lot of trouble with him especially since it's not a quick off the pitch in England conditions uh, Nathan Lyon always a great record in England he'll have to have a big summer uh, for Australia to get the win Cummings just does what he does and Scotty Bowen has to be picked Mr. Consistent there's no way they can do basball on Scotty Bowen and same with Josh Hazelwood as well if he is fit uh, you've got to pay him, play him. So if I'm picking selection, uh, if I was about to publish it, I'd take Stark out and I'd put Hazelwood in. That's the only change I would make, but we shall see what happens with that. It's going to be an exciting series. It is a lot of excitement in what the game of Test Cricket will look like after this series. Will it be the basketball technique that took down Australia and won England their first series since 2015? Or will Australia, once again, just show the Poms how to play cricket? It's going to be interesting, and it kicks off all at 7.30 tonight. My prediction for the series is that Australia will win 3-1. There'll be one drawn Test match in there as we have England weather, and it has to be raining at some point. So 3-1 to Australia is my big call in regards to that, which aligns with a lot of people on the Instagram poll who said Australia were going to win. But we shall see what happens. Come on, Australia. Show these poms how to actually play proper Test cricket.
All right, that is all she wrote for episode 23 of Aussie Talks. Got a very exciting couple of weeks for, or a couple of months rather, for Australian cricket fans. All your sleeping schedules will be completely out of alignment. Australia get the first one done of the World Test Championship. Now it is the big one, the little urn. Can they walk away with it? We shall see. And the big call, like I said, Australia 3-1. to one. And hopefully, like my last two big calls on the Denver Nuggets to win the NBA Championship and Djokovic to win the French Open, hopefully they get up and I can make it 3-3. Three for three. But thank you very much for tuning in to this World Test Championship review and Ashes preview. I'll be doing plenty of episodes on the Ashes over the next couple of months. Take care, enjoy, and I will see you all very soon. Thank you.